Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome to Banter. It's a bit of a later one this week. It's a Friday afternoon, but uh, we got a got a bit of a special one. It's a, a threebie this uh, this week. We got Mitch. How's it going, man? I'm um, well, thank you. And we've got Mr. Brian Codrington. Yeah. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well. All the better for sharing this table with you two gentlemen. <laughs> You're an absolute charmer, mate. Uh, I appreciate it. Too bad we don't re- video record our podcasts because. If people could see how the table looks right now, it's pretty funny. <laughs> They've yeah. got some high-tech gear going on here. Yeah, it looks like a scene maybe from Mad, Ma- Mad Max, <laughs> not Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, no, we've got um, we've each got our own makeshift um, sort of shelf and stand to hold our, our mic. So I've got a, a, a bunch of books. I've got a study Bible. I've got the prize. I've got the good news. I've got multiple translations of the Bible here. Mitch, what do you got for your I've stand? got a box full of, looks like, Tracks, maybe? Yeah. I think it's gospel tracks. All right. There we go. Brian, what's your stand? I've got a stool that helps um, (laughs) those that are infirm hop into the four-wheel drive. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's really high-tech. And and I I, um, heard you say um, just a second ago that maybe there's some red red, red backs in there as well. Yeah, it could be. I'll have a look underneath. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's one. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. A couple of daddy long legs. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So what's what's the next big trip for the four-wheel drive? Oh, that's yet to be decided, I suppose. Um, look, I'd love at some stage to get um, out back again, but uh, when that will be, who knows? Yeah. Certainly not this side of Christmas. All right, the other side. <laughs> Something to look forward to, for sure. Yeah, it is. If there's one place in Australia that you um, could go to, where would it be for a, for a four-wheel drive trip? Oh, I think the Kimberley. Mm. Um, yeah, probably uh, this time of the year is getting a little bit... Um, uh, too close to the build-up and the warmth mm. in the Kimberley. Uh, be hot and humid, mm. but certainly in June, July, mm. um, I I just love it. Yeah, so good. I just love it. The red rocks and mm. the vastness of creation. Not the men- mention the fact that at night you can just walk away a little bit and just capture stars mm. that um, we just we can only um, imagine in the city. Mm. Mm. Makes the promise to Abraham having many children more real. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. When you see the magnitude of the stars in the sky, you think, man, okay. Very prolific producer that yeah, I, yeah. Abraham. <laughs> yeah, the, the promise wouldn't be so impressive in the middle of Newtown. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three That's kids. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mitch, yeah. if you could go anywhere oh. in Australia, where would you go? I forget the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to go and yeah. just love the water. So and would be, yeah, I'd like to see it before it gets leached away. Yeah. Before <laughs> it dies. Time's ticking, mate. Yeah. Better, get, yeah, better get on that. So we're hoping to go to Queensland next year to see Rachel's grandmother. Nice. I haven't seen her for three <clears> years. So she's not. So we went, last time up there, she t- was for her 90th in 2019, and wow. she's 93 and hasn't met. Hazel in the flesh, mm. so the world of COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm. no. Very nice. Yeah, I reckon I would definitely want to check out Uluru. I haven't seen it yet. Yes. I want to check out Uluru. I want to stay in one of those fancy places that you get to watch yep. the sunset. Yeah, yeah, I want to get amongst yeah, it. So that's my place. Mm. Well, Brian, thank you for your sermon on Sunday. 
It was, um, I, I wasn't there in person, but listening back to it, it was, yeah, just a real joy to hear your wisdom uh, mm. and, yeah, just pulling out a bunch of uh, different passages. But I'd love to start um, by looking at the three different mindsets that you spoke about mm. um, and sort of unpacking those passages a little bit. So the first mindset that you gave us around finances was the Goldilocks mm. mindset. Mm. And the passage you used for that was Proverbs 30, uh, 7 to 9, which is um, the writer Agar, uh, which mm. might be fun to talk about a bit as well, mm. uh, writes, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. This idea that if mm. God um, blesses him too abundantly, that he will lose his reliance or a sense of reliance on God. Mm. Uh, and if he gives him too little, that he will be um, forced to steal, essentially, mm. and forced to mm. live a sinful life to care mm. for himself. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's sort of, you know, not too much, not too little. There's a lot of wisdom to glean from that. There is. Um, there is. The thing about that, that prayer, it sounds it's like it's very passive. Mm. In other words, Lord, you, you only give me what I need. Mm. Um, and by doing that, there's a, an element for me that takes away some personal responsibility mm. in a way. There's wisdom in it. Sure. But it's almost like saying, well, God, you give me exactly what I need because I can't trust myself mm. that if I've got so much... I won't disown you, or if I've got so little, I won't be tempted to steal. Sure. And um, so, in a way, I find that prayer as being a little bit of a cop-out in a way. Um, <laughs> puts all the onus on God. <laughs> a, yeah, that's right. It puts the onus on God to give me just what I need. And yet what I found in life is that um, part of the journey, um, you know, the journey of following mm. God and our journey of faith is that we, God gives us a free will. Mm. And God gives us personal responsibility and we need to exercise that mm. in the right way. Mm. So, I mean, if Agar's prayer was answered by God in that way and he had exactly what he needed just mm. at the time, that's wonderful. And mm. I, and um, mm. But I think for me, um, the journey through uh, finances and through life has been one where I've had to trust God, but I've also had to make decisions where I believe God was directing and leading. Mm, so good, so mm. good. Mitch, mm. who's, who's this Agar character? Yeah, uh, <laughs> look, I don't really know. I, I did study it at college and I've completely forgotten. So I've just totally thrown you in the yeah, deep end. Yeah, throw me so in the deep end. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Surprisingly enough, I'm not the source of all wisdom. No, there was, there was, but, um, um, but he it seems to be a Gentile. Yeah. This, the best, because... It's interesting, Proverbs is described as being by Solomon, mm. but then the last two are not by Solomon. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. yeah, but it could be like a Gentile, it might be an Israelite. Because it's interesting, it's the sayings of Agar, son of Jacketh, an oracle, this man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel, and to Yukal. It's like, mm. is that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> seems to be this wisdom has been passed along yes. across generations. Do you True. think that Agar could be a Koheleth sort of title? Because I, I only looked it up and it said um, Agar means stranger or gathered together. Mm. Could it be Absolutely. sort of this person who sort of gathered together wisdom mm. or I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fascinating. But I suppose that's the, uh, we've spoken about that before on Banter, the, mm. um, um, what is the word? Um, pe people don't uh, necessarily give up their, their own identity and that isn't necessarily mm. uh, something to, I suppose, be worried about in biblical texts. What I find more interesting about it is he uses like two or three things throughout his prayer. It's like two things I ask of you, which mm. is what we've mm. just spoken about. Mm. And he's like, talks about, you know, the leech has two daughters, 
there are three things that are never satisfied the mm. grave the barren womb the land and yeah there are three things that are too amazing for me four that i do not understand so lots of like mm. yeah using these numbers to build mm. you know. mm. it's not really about the topic but it's just more interesting literary mm. feature he uses yeah. like numbers to compare yeah, yeah. his prayer yeah, before yeah. god mm. yeah it, yeah yeah. It is interesting, like it is very much in the, uh, I suppose, genre and style of Proverbs to sort mm. of give these absolutes that in reality don't always apply. Mm. You know, in As reality, Jesus. very few of us can, as you were saying yes. before, Brian, um, say, oh, well, I'll just leave it up to God to make sure I never yeah, have too sure. much or too little. Sure. Well, and Proverbs is meant not to be just foundational truths, and yeah. that's where you get stuck because you, you, that's how Proverbs promise, you know... Um, yeah, if you raise a kid well, they're going to turn out perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> it's like, well, no, like, yeah. that's kind of, like, I heard it this way. It's like, it's like eating healthy. Mm. Wisdom is if you eat healthy, you're going to live a long life. Mm. But people in their 30s still die of heart attacks. Sure. Like, so, it's, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean you don't live. It's sort of like, yeah, this is yeah. a general way of yeah. how life will, you know, work out. But it's not a promise, mm. which is like, some people get a bit stuck with Proverbs. <laughs> Think, oh, it's a promise that if I do this, this will happen. Mm. So, so I suppose what is the response um, for us if we are not in a situation where God has given us enough? Because I think that that mm. is obviously, you know, one side of the coin is those who have been abundantly blessed. Mm. Um, and I think the reality is that is a lot of people um, in our mm. congregation and probably yes. a lot of people are seeing this. But I'm sure that there's people um, who are part of our congregation and wider community um, that don't have enough um, in a very real way. Um, what is the sort of wisdom to glean in a stewardship of finances for those people? Mm. Um, you're talking about stewardship of finances from those who do have <coughs> from do, who don't have enough. Okay, so mm. yeah, for me, with those that don't have enough, and I've been blessed that I've never had to necessarily walk that road. Um, so, um, but for me, it's um, it would be an openness mm. um, to receive mm. um, from the body of Christ and those that do have mm. enough. Um, mm. In other words, not to um, be looking down on themselves. Um, it, it, that that presupposes that it's not a choice not mm. to have enough. I mean, if someone hasn't got enough because they've disposed of what they've got sure. um, and they're choosing to live a minimalist life mm. or because they are someone who is lazy and they don't want to work. Mm. I mean, if it's someone that is genuinely tried to make ends meet and they really do not have enough, mm. I think um, there's probably a... Um, and this was, if it was me, it'd be very hard um, to receive. Mm. But because there's a real humility with being mm. able to receive from others. Yeah. But I think that passage that um, I referred to on Sunday, you know, from 2 um, Corinthians uh, chapter 9, about, <clears throat> you know, those who have enough mm. can share, you know, with those that don't. So there is sufficient for all. Mm. And so I suppose for me that that's just the the plan that God has. There'll be times when we do not have enough, mm. but when we're part of a Christian community, yeah, um, you know, it should be an openness to receive, mm. uh, knowing that there might be a time mm. when we do have a surplus, as yeah. that mm. passage says, mm -hmm. yeah. when we can generously show sow into the um, into the lives of others. And that's really like what James talks about a lot. So he gets. Uh, the context around James, obviously, we don't 
fully know, but he gets, he goes, you know, hasn't God chosen those who are poor? So this is James 2, 5. You know, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? And then he also says to, he talks about, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one, he says to him, go, you know, guy, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about the physical needs. What good is it? So that's the yeah, idea. It's like he's saying, mm. in one sense, like being poor is not, curse because mm. that was sort of the jewish mindset if you're yeah. poor yes, it's because yes, you deserve it, it you're an evil person mm. yes. and so james is like well you know like in some ways jesus christ uh, he made himself poor mm. he was rich but made himself that's poor right. and that's a similar way in the church that mm. there'd be a lot who are persecuted who are poor like you think of paul in prison mm. he ain't getting mm. roman prisons didn't feed him so he was relying on the generosity of others mm. and so christians had lost everything uh poor but at the same time, too, there's, like O'Brien says, expectation in the community that you care for each other, mm-hmm. which is also in Torah, because mm-hmm. you looked mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. poor people, the mm-hmm. widow, the foreigner. Mm-hmm. So some people just... Well, I think of, like, uh, uh, Naomi in the Book of Ruth, who mm-hmm. real no fault of her own, lost her husband yes. and both her sons. Both yeah. sons, yeah. Like, that's what happens sometimes. Is <clears> like, yeah. And so you're reliant upon your community mm-hmm. to, like, protect you. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing and I think really underpins that value of community that I think we, as you said, Brian, like there's a pressure that we put on ourselves to be self-sufficient. There is, and yeah, I think yeah. there is a real vulnerability yeah. and humility in reaching out and saying, I need help. And that poverty might not just be finances. It might be in energy in a time that you're sick or mm. whatever mm. that support mm. might be. Mm. Um yeah, from my personal experience, that's the time when the hands and feet of the church really come into action and yeah. you see the mm, yeah, true right. value um, and, yeah, importance of having that. Yeah, I think that's right, Murray. I mean, we were, you know, Mitch and I were sitting mm. in a, um, you know, a suicide awareness mm. uh, morning mm. um, this morning and that whole thing of people are reluctant, even though we might want to be helped, mm. And we might, in, in the case of, you know, someone thinking of suicide, um, definitely still be wanting to live. But oftentimes, um, we don't know how to put our hand up and say, we need help. Yeah. And um, there's a stigma about that. Mm. And and I don't think the, the Western um, Protestant work ethic has necessarily um, done a lot to alleviate that. Mm. Because it's almost like, well, this is what's expected you of you as an upstanding Christian you know, you will provide for your family. After all, anyone that doesn't provide for their family yeah. is worse than an unbeliever. Mm. And so there's this often this um, sense of um, self-loathing that can come about for, for people that I've spoken to that are in dire um, mm. places of need. Mm. And, um, and it's been hard to, for them to divulge the actual... Um, need that they have mm. because it's almost an admission that they've failed their family and mm. and in some cases failed um, Jesus and faith in him to provide everything they need. Mm. And mm. so um, I think that the church community has a lot to, to do to encourage a sharing mm. of our wealth. Mm. Not saying we become communistic in a way, sure. but we become open to share. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's great. And I think that points back to a real sense of 
community, right? Yeah, like there needs right. to be an exactly intimacy that. there yeah. that are both to give and even, I suppose, to know people's mm. situations that yeah, exactly. requires so easy to not know what's going on mm. in people's lives. So I suppose the other side is what your, I suppose, advice to those of us who, you know, despite Agar's prayers, are given more than enough. And that is, mm. I think, probably the more common problem that we mm. would have mm. um, in this area and in this country um, to the point where we, yeah, can be so self-sufficient that we can fall into the trap of believing we don't need God. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose mm-hmm. your your response to that would have been the sort of the 2 Corinthians 9 sort of generosity-encouraged yes, paradigm, yes, the yes. revolving door of generosity that you're talking about. Yeah, there's that. And there's also that the um, verse from um, 1 Timothy um, chapter 6 that talks about mm-hmm. command those who are rich in this present world not mm-hmm. to be arrogant, mm-hmm and to put their hope in riches, um, which are so uncertain. Mm. Um, but, and I think there is that, there's a, there's a command that comes um, because when we have the view that we are self-sufficient, when we, we can get this view that we are pretty good, <laughs> you know? And I've been there, yeah. I've got to tell you, it's an arrogance. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that really uh, must just... Um, frustrate God mm. um, I was going to say annoy God yeah, but mm. but frustrate God that he has lavished blessing on us for the purpose of being able to live lives that are grateful to him but also lives that are generous mm. and sharing with those who need it and yet we can develop this sense of you know I'm self-made look what I've done mm. you know and as soon as someone gets into that mindset, God is locked out because we're not looking about what God has provided, but we're looking about uh, at what <coughs> we have managed to achieve. Mm. Mm. And that turns the whole aspect of where our wealth comes from. God yep. owns it, even though mm. we might hold it, even though things might be invested in our name. I think the scriptures tell us that um, the world is God's, you know, mm. the earth and, and, and all who live in it, you know, and... And we are just stewards. Mm. And so getting back to your question, sorry, it's taken so long to get there. <laughs> You're doing great. Um, but for me, that's the challenge. It's to be, it's to be willing to share. Yeah, provide for, our, um, mm. provide for our families and enjoy what God's given us. Mm. Um, mm. You know, believe it or not, you know, I had to think long and hard. We, Lynn and I have just bought a caravan, took mm. delivery of it, you know, and it's not a cheap caravan. Mm. And so I'm thinking, oh, I was going through, you know, oh, you know, waste of money. What a waste of money in this way. Am I right to lavish this on myself, you know? And then started to think about all the ways I could justify it from a spiritual point of view. <laughs> I could go out, you know, and do this. I could go out and do that. And I thought, this is crazy yeah. thinking like this. God has blessed us. I need to take hold of that because, as the scriptures mm. say, he has given that to us mm. for our enjoyment. Mm. So I need to be thankful for that. But I need not, I can't be getting carried away with that. I've got mm. to think about, okay, mm. how else do I invest mm. or give, liberally give mm. to those um, in, um, out of the abundance that God has given? Mm. And that's a, like Ecclesiastes language. He talks yes, a lot is, yeah. about enjoying the fruit like eat drink and enjoy your toil um in chapter six of ecclesiastes he's this is from verse one he says i've seen another evil under the sun and it weighs heavily upon men god gives a man wealth possessions and honor said he likes nothing his heart's desire but god does not enable him to enjoy them 
Mm. A stranger enjoys them mm. instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. Like, mm. yeah, what a waste. It's... And he kind of goes on, <clears throat> he says, you know, a guy could have a hundred children, yeah. live a hundred years. <clears throat> but still, he says, if he doesn't enjoy, God doesn't give him joy in his possessions. A stillborn child's better off than him. Mm. And that's that. interesting mix, isn't yeah. it? Because, uh, and, mm. and, and that is just, you know, I mean, Solomon writing this stuff, you can just, you can just hear him here, he has everything. And yet, yep. and yet for me, where is the appreciation of God's blessing mm. if we don't stop and experience joy mm. and to take hold of what he has mm. given? Mm. Um, this is what he's lavished on us. Mm. Um, the question is, okay, are we going to continue to lavish ourselves with mm. everything? Are we going to take hold of, you know, mm. what is there? Mm. And then are we going to seek to draw a line in the sand mm. and say, well, this is what I need. Mm. Or, you know, um, probably goes beyond what I need. Mm. This, this really reaches what I want or even what I've desired. Mm. But I'm going to draw the line there mm. and then seek to take what other ways God has blessed me, mm. material and otherwise, mm. and use those. Um, to for the mm. blessing of others, mm. so somewhere along, and that's why I'd like to get back to. Well, I don't want to get back to that saying of Agar, but but come back to that. Is that's the personal responsibility? Yeah, you know, we can be praying that God will won't give us too much, but mm. for us, anyone born in Australia, mm. anyone born in the Hills District, <coughs> I think the statistics would show us for people that are in the Hills District that have got a job, that have got an education. We're in the top 3% mm. of mm. the wealthy mm. in our world. Mm. Um, and so it's incumbent on us to say, okay, how much do I really need mm. to live on? Mm. And what's God's call on my life? Mm. It was one of the Wesleys. <clears throat> I think it was John Wesley. Uh, because John and Charles both served in ministry. Mm. and yeah, I think it was John. <clears throat> anyway, it doesn't matter. Whichever Wesley it was decided <laughs> that the salary they got, they would tithe X amount. Mm. Mm. And, and as they kept getting more and more money from, mm. yeah, minute, like book sales and whatever else, mm. just continued to live on that same amount. Yes. They just kept getting more. Right. So, mm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it kind of came back to that um, sort of joke that you told about Ivan the communist. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's right. very easy <laughs> yeah, to yeah, say that yeah. you're willing to give stuff when it's not yours, you know, it but is. suddenly when it really applies to you and giving away your second yeah. pair of trousers or whatever yeah, yeah. it is, yeah. you know, oh, no, not that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like, that's a really interesting thing that I'd love to touch on for a second, maybe with you first, Brian. Um, how did you sort of, and was there anything, I imagine maybe as an accountant, you were maybe a bit more mindful of this than the average father. How did you instill those values of finances into your kids, even at a young age of maybe having X amount of pocket money a week or whatever? Was there anything that you were sort of doing in that way? Well, back in those days, um, believe it or not, there were coins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were they like? Well, it's coins you speak of. I pay for things with my phone. So when the kids got them, we they used to have little jars and yep. and put their stuff in, and we kind of taught them how to, they could save and how could they could spend, and a little bit like the barefoot investor does now. Mm. With okay, this is a pocket for this, and this is it, and um, and trying to teach them the value of money. Yeah, um, but also um, the the aspect of giving. Mm. Um, so that what they gave and what they put in the little offering that used to come around in Sunday school at the time came out of their 
yeah. um, pockets. Yeah. Um, and and it's been interesting just to see, um, you know, the generous hearts mm. of, of each of our kids. And, um, and, and I am just... Um, yeah, I'm so appreciative that they've grabbed hold of that and they recognise that even now with what they've got, it's it's not theirs. Mm. Um, there's an appreciation mm. that this is this is God's blessing of them. Um, one of the stories that, you know, I remember was, and, and it was quite an amazing, um, like, little event for me because Lynn and I looked at each other almost in disbelief, but one of our kids was about 12 at the time that we... Um, had our centre appeal here mm. when we put on, you know, this this big um, addition with the auditorium upstairs and everything, and we had um, a building for life campaign that we we talked about it, and um, so they heard this thing talked about in in, mm. in church, and um, and then one of our kids came out and um, he said, "Oh, Dad, um, I want this to go." To the, how do I who do I give it to? Mm. And he bought out um, several hundred dollars. What? Which for a twelve-year-old mm. kid was Doesn't all almost all that he had saved. Wow. And he said, "No, I just want this to go to the offering mm. for for the new centre." And and I said, "Are you sure?" Mm. Is this? And it has almost got. And then I thought, "Hang on a minute." It's not right for me to be talking um, my son out of what he wants to give. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, um, yeah, I've got to be careful sharing this story, mainly because it's obviously, um, you know, my kids are, are well known to many. But I'm sure they don't listen to banter, though, bro. No, no, the <laughs> no, kids, no, 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 I'm not worried about the kids. <laughs> especially if they knew I was on banter, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be listening to it. But... Um, yeah, I mean, and so it was like, for me, just such an appreciation of mm. seeing them recognise, not what I've taught them, but what, what seeing them recognise God's call on their life mm. and that mm. the, the call wasn't just to attend Sunday school or do these types of things. It involved an investment of their being and a giving back to God mm. because of all God had done for them. Mm. And uh, this... Um, and this particular um, fellow had only just been baptised that same year at a, at a young age, you know. Mm-hmm. And so for him, it was just something that was a, a call on his life and a real desire. And um, yeah, it fostered, a, a gen- I could see the generous heart and mm-hmm. a gift of giving. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I just applauded that. Yeah, well, yeah. thanks for sharing. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool story. Mm-hmm. And, um, I suppose with that sort of idea of heart, um, being such an important part, I think, of finances. Um, mm. I'd actually love to... You use the um, example of the story in 1 Samuel 15 mm. of Saul's sort of incorrect mm. sacrifice, mm. Uh, which I think kind of, yeah, is such a fascinating story. Um, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, would you like to quickly summarise that story for those who might be listening who, off the top of their head, can't you know <laughs> remember what the story in 1 Samuel 15 is? Yeah, well, uh, very quickly, it's, um, you know, the, the instruction that was given to Saul to go and to wipe out the Amalekites and to wipe them out totally. I mean, um, all the people, um, all the herds, pretty gruesome, um, you know, um, kind Mm. of uh, when you think about um, what God wanted to do with these Amalekites. 
And so they went and they spared the king and they spared the best of the plunder. Mm. And they and they came back and they offered a sacrifice. Mm. And then, you know, the um, the prophet Samuel came and said, you know, what's that I hear? <laughs> the bleeding of the sheep. <laughs> the bleeding of the sheep kind of gives everything away, doesn't it? You know? And then he goes on to say, you know, to obey is better than sacrifice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and so here they were. Yeah, keeping the best back. In other words, mm. ignoring God's call and God's direction on their life. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yet saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, but I'll mm. offer just this little mm. bit to God, you know? Mm. Um, and so the challenge, um, obviously, for us in our lives is, you know, God's call on our life is to total obedience. Mm. And, mm. and we can give a little bit, you know, mm. we can even tithe. You know, we can even go a little bit more, but if what God's wanting to do in our lives and us to do with our lives is something more than just that, mm. um, it's not going to cut it mm. to go down a path that we want and simply mm. to sacrifice yeah. in order mm. to um, satisfy what we think mm. is a better call on our mm. lives. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's I think that's just such a... And when you hear Keith Green sing that song, mm. to obey is better than sacrifice, mm. you know. He goes on, he says, I want more than Sundays and Wednesday nights, you know. Mm. <laughs> if you can't come to me every day, well, don't bother coming at all. And mm. you think, well, oh, man, that's, uh, yeah. that's pretty hard hitting. But, um, you know, it's, it's just um, a great challenge. And that was certainly the song that was playing over and over in my mind when... Um, I was responding to God's direction to sell my county practice mm. or our county practice. Because mm. what I was actually going over in my mind was, Lord, if we sell this, and it was a very lucrative business, if we sell this, um, we won't be able to give to you mm. as much as we have. Mm. You know, surely we can keep this going mm. and then just keep on. And this was coming. Mm. This, these words were, mm. no, no, no. This mm. is this is the path I've got for you. Mm. You know, don't say you're gonna do this and then keep sacrificing to me. What I want mm. is you. Yeah. Mm. You know, I want your total life directed mm. to me, mm. um, not some kind of um, pseudo sacrifice. Mm. When mm. you're called to sacrifice your whole life. Yeah, which Saul does a few times, right? There's a few times that he sort of tries yeah. to sacrifice to, you yes. know, um, yeah. to, to appease God for something he did, to get something yeah. out of God. He's got an interesting yeah. sacrifice yes. theology. Does. Soul. <laughs> and there's an interesting um, ramifications for failing to kill Ahag. Yes, is, um, Naaman, who, yeah. not Naaman, um, 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 Haman, sorry, from yeah. Esther. Yeah. He's a direct descendant. Mm. And Who's Mordecai is a direct descendant of Saul. There you go. So okay. it had yeah, to be right. so. Yeah, that's it's partly when you read Esther, you, see, you yeah. kind of look, you link back to the the lineage, and you see like that had the Jews nearly wiped out because of Saul's failure to mm. be okay. obedient. He didn't so, realize it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I want to talk a bit about for a second. Uh, you referenced this second mentality of finances, the minimalist approach, yes. and we've yes. kind of already yeah. spoken a bit about one Timothy six. Um, but I really want to focus on this. Uh, maybe I think often misquoted passage, 
uh, the correct sort of uh, yeah words are for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Mm. Obviously, you mm. said the often misattributed the love of money is mm. is the is the well, money. They is, say, is often say money. Is yeah, money is the root of all evil. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I'd love to kind of open that up a little yeah. bit and maybe even. Um, what the love of money actually represents, right? Because money, I don't want to get too existentialist about it, mm-hmm. but it's just an idea. Mm-hmm. What is a piece of pink paper? But maybe also just what the love of money actually represents in reality of our love for power. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. What, what do you guys think about uh, that? So I think <clears throat> money represents security. Mm-hmm. So the more money you have, the more secure you are. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of what we've spoken about before, being self-sufficient. So if your idol is money then you don't need God mm. as much. Mm. And so I'm going to talk about this on Sunday. The ma- like the wilderness economy is manna mm. and you don't store up manna in your tents. Mm. You just eat it for the day and move on. Where mm. Pharaoh, they built giant silos to store grain to mm. produce enormous wealth. Yeah. He who controls agriculture has all the power because mm. food is power. And so, yeah, and money is a similar. The more you have the more security you have. And mm. going back to Ecclesiastes, mm. he talks about like the rich actually can't sleep at night. They're so busy worrying, but it's actually the labourer. Their, their, mm. their sleep sleep is sweet. Is mm. like, oh, well. So, interesting. The more Scrooge McDuff you are, the more you... you or yeah. like, um, what's his name? The dragon from... Small. Small, yeah. Yeah, small. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like, yeah. You know, that take away one of my jewels. Ah, yeah, yeah, can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, no, so good. Mm. Brian, what was money represent yeah. to you in a broader sense in that passage? Uh, in that, in, well, in the passage about <coughs> the love of money, yeah. it's, um, yeah, I think I agree with Mitch. I mean, people like to think that their security is wrapped up in that. But mm. I think also once you get a love of money, mm. and I've seen this obviously in my accounting world um, with people, um, it, there's there's almost this uh, addiction mm to keep mm. accumulating, mm. Um, mm. you know, so the constant thing will be, uh, you know, looking at your shares each and every day. Mm. Um, it'll be um, seeking to really squeeze the best out of each and every deal. Mm. And so the love mm. of money and the uh, the success or the associated mm. wealth it can bring mm. um, can play havoc with a person's um, attitudes mm. Um, and um, <coughs> attitudes not just to money and to possessions, but to people. Mm. It's like your story, Mr. Brown, in yes. inverted commas. Yeah, that's right. Wouldn't and, even and let his wife have. <laughs> no. no, and these were obviously, um, you know, these were obviously different days. Yeah, yeah. Now, in this day and age, you would actually uh, be calling, causing that, or calling that and labelling it as some kind of domestic violence. It mm-hmm. was, it was really uh, horrific. And and you know, I was speaking to him about tax tax aspects of it. Um, but this was a fellow who had a lot, um, didn't enjoy anything. He wore he wore the same safari suit. Mm. Um, safari Stylish. suits were a big thing in, <laughs> in that day, but the same one basically every time I saw him. Yeah. Right. It was this pale blue safari suit. Mm. So when the secretary would say, oh, she had a new secretary one day, she said, oh, there's a man who's got an appointment to see you. I said, um, what's he dressed in? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, uh, um, a safari suit. Yeah, yeah. I said, okay, that's Mr. So-and-so. Well, I called him Mr. Brown. It wasn't Mr. Brown, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And I said, okay, we'll show, show, him, show him in. 
and um, and yet, yeah, that, and he would not be the only one. I can remember another fellow that would have been 42 at the time, and um, I went down to the office and, um, you know, and, and he called me in. It was just to do an audit, actually, which was going to probably take us about two weeks in this company. And he called me and he said, look, any questions you've got, um, I want you to direct them to me. Um, even though his dad was a managing director and next, he was called the general manager, this 42-year-old. His dad was a <coughs> managing director and in, in an office a couple down there. Now, his dad, the managing director, had um, established the business um, all those years ago, but this 42-year-old then wanted to say, I'm going to take them all because it's time he moved on and quite openly talked about what yeah, wow. he wanted the demise, if you like, of his father. Wow. Mm. Now... You know, when you start to put things in those cold, hard terms and you realise, here's a 42-year-old man yeah. that was in that business mm. that his father had established mm. and wouldn't have been there except for that, yeah. now wanting to turf him out the door because it, he thought it was time the mm. old man moved on. Mm. And, you know, it might have been time the old man moved on, sure. but it was just his attitude. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so he was seeing his father as if you like, as an obstacle mm. to his accumulation of wealth. Mm. And, and that was out of a love of money, mm. you know. Um, so You say yeah. around that passage, because the verses around it, like verse 9 says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap the, mm. and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. And that's mm. for the love of money. And it goes on, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and peered themselves in many griefs. Exactly. Like it's just that's that. It. That's exactly what those right. stories tell us. That's that right. That's... that's right. Well, Mr. Brown ended up getting divorced, didn't he? He did. He, he did. Like... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, <coughs> partly because it was his own infidelity in the end. Okay. <laughs> his wife's. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He took off with, he, he used to say, she'll take off with some young, some yeah. bloke. And he took off with, in his own words, a floozy. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. It is interesting when we sort of start to put this, um, I suppose, value in objects. You yeah. know, we can yeah. start to almost objectify people as well. You know, whether yeah. it's your dad or your wife That's or right. whatever. Yeah. Um, it can kind of almost shift that heart from yeah. seeing humanity into something which is... Yeah, purely material. And that's why I think God's direction is, and, you know, even in this minimalist, minimalist approach, yeah. mm. apart from seeing the love of money, mm. you know, as the root of all kinds of evil, mm. it's to go on and to, and Jesus was challenging this rich young ruler, what mm. is it that is standing in the way of mm. you mm. and really following me? Mm. And so I think, you know, that that's the challenge for for indeed each one of us who have been blessed, mm. and as I said, each of us in the Hills District, I believe, have been blessed, mm. to say, okay, well, what is, where is my treasure? Mm. And um, and what is standing in the way mm. of me, um, you know, following Jesus? Are these things that I think I'm managing well, mm. um, is that where my security is? Mm. Um, what happens if these were taken away? Mm. Mm. You know, where would my security be? And I suppose you know, there might come the day when each of us in this area are tested. Who knows what the future's going to hold mm. about, mm. you know, where our security is. Mm. But I think um, we can so easily um, fall into that trap mm. of, um, 
of finding our security in our wealth. Mm. And I think um, sort of vice versa, um, I suppose that minimalist approach is somewhat um, dualistic in the sense that it's, Mm. you know, forsaking all material that's saying, you know, we shouldn't have any joy in this world, we shouldn't have any pleasure. That's right. That pleasure itself, regardless of what, how it's framed is a sin, uh, which is obviously bad Like the old monks (laughs) used to chuck ash in their food, so, you know, it tastes bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't enjoy life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would be a sin. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to just, uh, as we sort of come to a close, look at the final um, frame that you looked at through finances. Were you being a little bit divisive when you called it the prosperity mentality? Because prosperity can be a very charged term in Christian circles. <laughs> Would you like to speak a bit about that, Brian? <laughs> look, I, I believe that as we give, I mean, th- that quote from uh, Bob Latourno. You know, the, the earth mover who at one stage held 300 different patents over all the different earth moving. Yeah. When he said, you know, um, I shovel it to God, God shovels it back and he's got the biggest shovel. Yeah. Mm. Um, is so true. <coughs> I, I, I'm not a, an out and out there prosperity theologian. Mm. Let me just say that. Um, and, and, I, and I believe that if we give with the motive of receiving back, mm. um, um, we're going to go down a, a dangerous path. And I'll give you an illustration. I had um, I had clients come to see me once and they came and they, they said to me, oh, we know you're a Christian. Um, you, and, and, and the words were, so you might understand where we're coming from, but we had a big appeal at church mm-hmm. and, um, and we were wanting to take that verse um, that, you know, God will bless you 30, 60, 100 fold. Um, to heart and um, and we want to have a look at this verse that says given it will be given to you good mm. measure pressed down running over and spilling mm-hmm. into your lap mm. with the measure you give it will be measured mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. and so you know this couple had borrowed $100,000 to give to an appeal and were trusting that God would bless them 30, 60 or 100 fold Mm. Um, and as I spoke to them I mean they didn't speak to Mm. me before they did that Mm. and as I spoke to them their whole desire was that God would bless them financially Mm. because of what they'd done and they were holding God to the test on on that um, on that gift it's very much like Santa Claus sort of theology well if I do yeah yeah. It's, re- it's really ancient animism because animism was like you twist the gods, use yeah. a magic incantation to get yeah, the yeah. gods. You make sacrifices so yeah, that yeah. they'll do something yeah, yeah, for you. Yeah, you have to, you have to yeah, do something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. I stopped acting for this couple um, probably one uh, or that was just when I um, divested myself of my practice. But up until that time, which was about two years later, they were in financial hardship. Yeah. Um, you know, the 30, 60, 100 hadn't come their way. Mm. And. Um, and in many ways, I'm not surprised by that because sure. they openly, you know, said that this was the reason they'd given was that they yeah. wanted to see that prosperity return to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think there's another side of that, sure. you know, and that is if we give out of hearts that are just full of gratefulness to God mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, I just... I'm just so thankful for the new life that I have in Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thankful for the fact that I wake up every day with hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can face the future because of who Jesus mm-hmm. is, you know. And and so when I give, it's 
It's not to get. Um, but what I do find is that as I step out in obedience, mm-hmm. as, and, and as Lynn and I um, give, mm-hmm. God abundantly blesses yeah. in a way I cannot mm-hmm. explain. Mm-hmm. I'll give you, without divulging dollars and things, but when we followed that, you know, I was battling with selling our accounting practice. Mm. We then bought a sugarcane farm in Queensland. And, um, you know, at the time I thought, oh, you're not going to make any money out of, you know, sugarcane, but this was a lifestyle decision. Mm. And here I was thinking, oh, you know, we won't, <clears throat> we won't be making the same amount of money. Well, that sugarcane farm we sold three, uh, five years later mm. for three times mm. the amount that we bought it for mm. in five years. And that was a significant amount of money. Yeah. Mind you, 175 acres in the middle of the Sunshine Coast was probably going to always do pretty well. But it, it was something that we just thought, okay, God is directing us this way. Sure. Mm. Let's do it. Yeah. And so because we did that, the mm. money came back mm. um, in that way. So as I said, I don't believe in giving yeah. to getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I believe in giving in obedience and the fact that God does honour and God does prosper. Yeah. And sometimes that's not in this lifetime. Mm. Like I'm just right. looking here at Jesus' words. This is from Luke, um, Luke chapter 12, about his version about seeking first the kingdom. And he mm. says, Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide the purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted mm. when no thief mm. comes near and no moth destroys. Mm. That's right. That's, That's that idea. Yeah. And he said, and Jesus also said to the disciples, like, hey, you know, whatever you give up, you're going to receive more mm. in the kingdom to come. Mm. So, That's right. Yeah, yeah you may yeah. not see it this lifetime, mm. but certainly that mm. God honours those sacrifices mm. in the next lifetime. Mm. 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 That's right. I think those words from Samuel really ring true in, in both contexts. That yes. idea that I don't actually desire sacrifice, I desire obedience. Mm, yes, and those right. decisions that you and Lynn made, for instance, mm, weren't mm. sacrifices in the way of, you know, some transactional, sure, you know, sure. decision. Yeah. But mm. ultimately, they were obedience. That yeah, was the right. heart of it. That's right. So good. Um, as we sort of wrap up pruning mm. finances, any, any final thoughts <clears throat> from the gallery? Uh, um. I said this, I can't remember if it was in the prayer or just chatting, like God ultimately, like poverty isn't part of God's plan. I think there are mm. some Christians who think being poor equals being spiritual. Yeah. And mm. yeah, you could read a letter like James and kind of think, okay, like that's, but yeah, like you look at Eden, there's precious stones there. Like this idea of like, God doesn't want people to be hungry or in famine. Mm. Like that was the whole point of the seven year cycles of Sabbath was, mm okay, now your debts are wiped away. And then the 50 year for Jubilee, like yeah. everything was wiped away, land was yeah, returned yeah. because God didn't want poverty. Like yeah. poverty is not good. So, sure. But like all things in creation, we have to worship the creator, mm. not the creator. And they're just good gifts mm. that he's given us. But mm. ultimately they point us back to God. So mm. that's all my thing. It's not money that's evil. It's the love of money. So it's mm. mm. all good in your life. And uh, yeah, for me, Murray, I think it's to to start where we are, you know, so there'll be people that saying, look, I don't have a lot. Um, but, you know, you think about the widow's might and, and I think even for those that don't have a lot, we can give out of the way we have been blessed. Mm. And as we, as we honour God in that way, we will see 
um, we'll go on a journey mm-hmm. um, with God mm-hmm. and see the blessings that God brings about. And it, as Mitch says, it might not be um, financial blessings, but there'll be other um, different mm-hmm. aspects of God's blessing. Um, mm-hmm. Plus the joy of knowing that we've stepped out in obedience. Mm. I think that's one of the two words that I've kind of gotten out of this discussion today. Obedience, also humility on both Mm -hmm. sides of the, excuse the pun, coin. You know, whether in in poverty or in, you know, wealth, that humility of either reaching out for help or of recognising it's not my own doing. Well, Mitch, we've got a bit of an exciting Sunday. We're we're wrapping up our pruning the branches series. What are you speaking on this Sunday? Sort of pruning work slash... The Sabbath, because we have to keep herring has to be pruning. Yes, so, yes, yeah. So doesn't looking have at the, to be. We kind of made that yeah. So looking at the Sabbath, and <laughs> so yeah, unpacking the idea of what I've sort of titled Pharaoh's economy mm. or like Sabbath economy. Very fine. So like yeah, Pharaoh's way of doing things or God's way of doing things, and how we f- find true rest in Him. So good. I love it. Well, uh, maybe not the traditional Sabbath, but I look forward to seeing you guys on the uh, new Sabbath of a Sunday. The Lord's Day. <laughs> this Sunday, the Lord's Day. Looking forward to seeing you there. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Thank, right, you. thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Jural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.